KCOU 88.1 FM. Start your Sunday. We are one Saturday in to the college football season. We are one Sunday away from the kickoff of the 2021 NFL season. And man, what opening weekend of college football we had. Harrison Vatnick alongside co-host Jonathan Lidskin. The first time he is here as the active official co-host. Welcome in, Lid. Glad we made that official. I'm really excited to be here once again. What, what a crazy day we had yesterday. That was just an unbelievable weekend of college football. I feel like all like the big hyped-up games from last college football season like didn't live up to the expectation. We're, like, we're owed one by the college football gods. We were we were owed one. Even a, even the Wisco-Penn State game was all we could ask for. Yeah. From, like, from a defensive standpoint. D- defense was wild yesterday. We This is something we haven't seen in a couple of years in college football with the new spread offenses, but I'm glad defense is back. Like That was fun to watch. Yeah, so that'll, that'll lead us to our, our first point of the show. And when you look back at the kind of the recent years of college football, I would say it's in the last seven, eight years, since about 2013, 2012, basically the story of every college football season is about the best offenses. We've been talking about I would say since kind of Chip Kelly at Oregon, uh, Marcus Mariota, and what we saw with that kind of the transformative offenses, even the transition from Alabama when they started playing guys like Tua Tagovailoa, and then the the great offenses at Clemson with Trevor Lawrence who won national championships and Deshaun Watson and these just these great programs like Oklahoma who's had so much success with offense. Kind of all we are known for in this sport right now is these high-powered offenses, and that that's been the culture of it. It's the last decade has been all about, okay, who can put together the best offense and that team should win the national championship. Last year, Alabama basically made the decision. It's like, screw it. Let's let's have the best offense in the country. Let's have Mac Jones, a Heisman finalist. Let's have Devontae Smith win the Heisman. Jalen Waddle, who got injured a few weeks into the season, one of the best receivers in college football, was a second receiver taken in the NFL draft. It's basically the culture that's been set. And it felt like yesterday, it's kind of a, a taste of what it used to feel like, a swing in the old direction with just defenses dominating and especially the Georgia Bulldogs giving up three points to Clemson in one of the best defensive performances from start to finish in a college football game I have seen in the last decade because all we're known for, Liddy and I, for the last, I don't know, week, we've been going back watching these old college football games, trying to like get ourselves ready for the season. Every one of these games is in the 30s, in the 40s, and it comes down to these two-minute drills where these teams go 80 yards down the field in one minute with all these big plays. Yesterday was just a dogfight. No, it was. was. Four-man rushes, pass rushing, zone sacks, deflected passes, and it was exciting. And I want to say defense is back, and this Georgia team, maybe they can have this incredible season, and it's not going to be about JT Daniels and Zamir, uh, Zamir White and James Cook. Maybe it's going to be about the defense. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, those, listen, I don't care what pe- people say. Yesterday, yesterday's game was awesome. Georgia Clemson, just two defenses going head-to-head. That, that was one of the most enjoyable games in the last three years for me, honestly. And... I think you said it perfectly. Like maybe this year is going to be more more about defense. I know Alabama hung forty one or whatever on Miami yesterday, but you, you saw what happened with Georgia Clemson. You saw what happened with Penn State Wisconsin. Iowa holds Indiana to six points. Like this is just good football, and I think part of it is coaches are now taking these spread offenses and like maybe trying to overcomplicate things a little bit. Like 
We, we make fun of these all these rocket screens and, and bubble screens off RPOs. Reads. Uh, but like, and like that's kind of like over overcomplicating it. Like, you you know what I mean? It's just yeah. Get, Go to get, try get, to outthink the room. You're you're just. It's not as simple as. Ohio State used to do it where it's just get your playmakers out in space and let and go from there. It's just it wasn't like that yesterday. And Clemson and Georgia just went back and forth, like reading each other. It was it was un- unbelievable. Neither team could get anything yeah. going. So let's dive into the game a little bit. It was a 10-3 win for Georgia. They had one touchdown the entire game, and it was a 70-yard pick six by Dominic Smith. Christopher Smith. Christopher Smith. Incredible, an incredible call from Chris Fowler, mm-hmm. the goat. Just the and they sacked DJ Ugangale seven times. I had a tweet last night. In 2019, Trevor Lawrence was sacked five times the entire season. DJ was sacked seven times last night, including five, I think, in the first half. Yep, incredible. And that it was, and it's not like they were blitzing a lot. Also, it was the front four getting to him. The it came down to a fourth and five at the 45 yard line with four and a half minutes left. And that's when Georgia dialed up the zero blitz. And they, they made DJ roll to the right, and he threw a bad pass, and it was incomplete. Though the Georgia defense did is they put Kendrick on Justin Ross, and they played press the entire way and say, we'll let anybody else beat us. And Joe Nada has had the best game of any Clemson Tiger. He had five catches, six catches for over 100 yards. He was the only threat on that offense. And I, I talked a lot on the show last year about <laughs> Travis Etienne was I would say he was a little washed. He wasn't the same running back he was the year before, but he's still really important on that offense because he was a threat every time he touched the ball to make something happen. Mm-hmm. Clemson had no running back that could do that. They played, we'll get to the Dabo thing in a minute, but they were playing a lot of Will Shipley, who's a true freshman running back. They were playing a lot of Kobe Pace, who's an unproven sophomore running back. And then we didn't see Lynn J. Dixon, Dixon until the fourth quarter, and he had, what, one, one touch, carry, one for, carry 10 for 10 yards. yards. You can't you can't win without a run game in this sport. No, you can't. And it's just like when, when Clemson has twenty three rushing attempts for two yards, that includes sacks. It's not you're not going to win. And even Georgia, look, thirty one carries, one hundred twenty one yards. They did enough. They closed the game out on the ground. Zamir White, thirteen carries, seventy four yards. Mm-hmm. Kendall Minton, uh, six carries, twenty seven yards. James Cook, five carries, nineteen yards. Like they did what they were supposed to, especially in the last drive of the game when they got that last stop. They they fed they fed. Zamir White, and, you know, they got first downs, and they sealed the game. And I didn't think JT Daniels, we'll talk a little more about Daniels in a second, but they didn't really need to ask Daniels to do a lot, just not make many critical mistakes. He had the one interception to Spectre. The defense got two straight sacks and forced a punt. But what are your thoughts on kind of how far this Georgia offense can elevate? I don't think they're as bad as they played yesterday. First of all, Clemson's defense is really good. We knew that coming in. But I think... Once Kirby Smart kind of realizes who his best backs are, the, this offense is going to be able to score. You saw a lot of Kendall Minton yesterday. Even Kenny McIntosh got, got in there at times. We saw him pick up a first down for them on that bubble screen. But I don't feel this offense has any need for those two. I think they should strictly be using Zamir White and J- and James Cook. Cook, obviously, more of a passing back for them. He's better in space. And Zamir White... Kind of your DeAndre Swift, where really shifty on the ground. I don't feel like putting Milton and McIntosh on the field is helping you. I feel it's more taking away from your offense by taking Cook and White off the field. J- JT Daniels 
couldn't do much yesterday. For 135 yards, he had that one interception like you mentioned. But let's not forget, Georgia was missing Eric Gilbert, yep. George Pickens, Dominic Boylock. I don't think Kyrus Jackson had a catch. He didn't. Um, and uh, John Fitzpatrick had one catch for zero yards. Yeah, and I don't know if Fitzpatrick's going to play, but that that's nor here nor there. You want to talk about your, your new favorite tight end in college football? Yeah, Brock Bowers was unbelievable as yesterday. As a true freshman. He had six catches for 43 yards, playing in his first game as a true freshman. Average 7.2 yards a catch. It just felt like on big passing downs, Georgia was going to him. And they didn't, like, ask him to do too much. It was these little simple passes that he'd break a tackle and pick up a first down for them. He almost made an unbelievable catch on the on an, in the end zone on what was a dangerous pass on third down by JT yeah, Daniels. Um, if it wasn't for him, that probably intercepted, and this game remained 7-3. <laughs> um but yeah, or it was seven nothing at the time. But no, the pat, it, yeah, it was seven zero. So, but because they made it ten nothing after the field goal. He made an unbelievable play getting his hands on the, the ball to knock it away, and he, he like he was just incredible. They, I didn't even mention they were missing Darnell Washington too. Is a my, sta- my, my favorite tight end, st- st- standout tight end. He's supposed to be starting for them at tight tight end. He should play soon. So yeah, it's just ba- Bowers was huge for them when they needed when he needed to be yesterday. He had six catches for them. No one else in Georgia from a receiver standpoint, had more than two. And, like, that's what they needed from him. And and they got it. So, yeah, he might be my new favorite player in college football. He's only a true freshman. He's going to be a stud in this sport. And I hope with Washington and Gilbert coming coming back, hopefully that's soon, that be, he still gets opportunities. That's be dangerous. What about, before we get to Dabo, Justin Ross. He missed all of college football last year with a neck injury. Mm-hmm. We were curious to see how he'd look. Georgia played really good defense on him. But I never really saw him as a threat. Yeah, no. Da- Four da- catches, twenty six yards. The the fact you mentioned to me about halfway through the game last night that, that like Dar- you hadn't heard Darion Kendrick's na- name at all, and that's because he was doing exactly what he was supposed to be exactly. doing. Ju- Justin Ross had four catches for twenty six yards last night with the former Clemson uh, corner Darion Kendrick on him, and we-, we knew Kendrick was good coming into this game. I thought he was going to be a first round pick last year if he came out, but that was an impress. Impressive performance from him. Don't, if you're an NFL scout, you don't want to watch this game, game if you're looking at Justin Ross. Let's talk Dabo. Buckle up, everybody. Th- this one will be interesting. Dabo Sweeney is a two-time national championship head coach. He is On the biggest stage, he has outcoached Nick Saban. He's outcoached Urban Meyer. He's outcoached Ryan Day. Uh, he's outcoached, uh, God, what's his name, Kelly from Notre Dame, which clearly isn't very hard. Consistently one of the best coaches. I'd say he's a top three coach, undisputed in the sport, future Hall of Famer. Yeah, I mean, there, there, were, there was a point in time where you could argue that he was the best yeah. coach in the sport. You could have argued that 10 months ago. There's no excuse to be outcoached by Kirby Smart in week one. It's not like outcoached. Outcoached might be the wrong word. <laughs> he was outcoached by default. Yeah. But some of the decisions that Dabo Sweeney made yesterday – like made me think that like he wasn't really the head coach yesterday. That he was just kind of like, like it was acting as if it was a preseason game. <laughs> Why did I not see? We were saying the entire game. We, we watched the game together. Is Lynn J. Dixon hurt? Like where is he? Because he used the best, the second best running back on the Clemson team last year, <laughs> and they kept giving the ball to Will Shipley, who's a true freshman. Will Shipley had four carries for seven yards. Like. I, I didn't understand it. And the only time they gave it to Linjay, one carry, 10 yards. And they, they would not run the ball with Ugangale. The I was not afraid, as someone who was rooting for Georgia, 
when DJ was dropping back, because I knew that, okay, Georgia's going to have good coverage downfield. I don't trust DJ to make the throw. When he started running, I'm like, this could be bad. Dabo just couldn't make the adjustments. And I'm not saying Kirby Starr made the adjustments. They just held on to one because they got the one touchdown on the pick six. But what, what happened to Dabo yesterday? It was almost like he loses Trevor Lawrence, and all of a sudden he's scared to do what worked with, with Trevor. And, like, let, let's be clear. DJ is not Trevor, and he's not close. It, and probably never will be close. But the the concept shouldn't change. Like, DJ, DJ can run. We know that. And his best throws came out of the pocket except for the one downfield field throw that picked up a huge first down for them. But, like, the stuff they were doing just didn't make sense. Like, Georgia was getting pressure, pressure and he just wasn't getting creative at all. Like, they, they ran a couple, like, cute plays here and there that didn't work. But, like, there was no there was no zone read. There was no getting DJ out of the pocket, getting him to use his legs. And just playing, not playing your best running back to the fourth quarter was just such yeah. a mystery. And it, it was just so weird. Like, he did, it felt like Dabble yesterday didn't give his team the best chance to win. And you, you mentioned, like, he kind of got outcoached by Kirby Smart by default. I don't really think he got outcoached by Kirby Smart. I think he outcoached himself. Yeah, that's, that's right on. Like, it, it was just a disaster from the start. As soon as as soon as soon Nolan Smith got that sack on third down when Georgia rushed three that was the to start, start, of the, game to start the game, it was Clemson's first drive. Right from there, we kind of figured, like, this could be a long night for Clemson's offense. You mentioned something about DJ. This is why I picked Clemson to miss the playoff. This is why I said these, I would say, controversial takes over the past few months that I didn't think DJ was that good. I watched both of those games again last year against Notre Dame and Boston College, and they almost lost both. They, ne- they went one and one and nearly lost both. I have never been high on him. Even after he threw, what, 400 yards against Notre Dame? Yeah, it was 425. Well, that's what happens when you go to double overtime and Travis Etienne runs for like eight yards. I, I think he's like, I think he's Kelly Bryant. He might be. The drop-off between Lawrence to him is enormous. The drop-off from Deshaun Watson to him, when they went from Watson to Bryant, it was notable. They still went, well, they still lost one game and made the playoff. That, they, that was in they, large part because of the ACC. And then they, yeah, and then they had a big jump to Trevor. And now it feels like we're back to where we went from Watson to Bryant. Mm-hmm. I don't think Ugongle is that good. I don't think his decision-making is great. He holds onto the ball for way too long. And he... he there were some other passes that were near that got deflected that were nearly intercepted as well. He could have thrown three picks easily last night. His final stats were 19 of 37, 178 yards, no touchdowns and a pick, QBR of 36.7. And like that's bad. It's not like he, he hasn't seven times. It's not like he hasn't seen this before either cuz he played at Notre Dame last year. Yeah, this it, like no, this isn't his no first excuse for first game jitters. He's done this before. So I, I just didn't get it at all and he was playing like a freshman. Even though, and it was only his third career game, but like, there were just no, no excuses for taking seven sacks against that defense. Like, that front seven's really good, and they're going to give everyone problems last this year, but seven sacks is just ridiculous. Sorry, ridiculous. It's just, it was absurd. I turned to you at one point in the second half, I think, after, it was after they, after Spectre had the pick, and we're like, I thought Clemson was going to go and tie the game. Instead, they got sacked back-to-back plays and had a punt. I turned to you, I'm like, you want to put the backup in? And if you think, they, dude, the backup quarterback, I, I, I don't know how, like, he, his, I don't know how good he is. 
No, but I've never seen this guy. I, I've never seen. I've never heard of him. And, and maybe that's why Dabo doesn't trust him. Like, because there was think, no excuse for leaving DJ in the game last night. Do you think that there was nothing he was doing right? I, if he they play South Carolina State next week, he shouldn't struggle. But kind of once we head towards ACC play, I know the ACC is basically playing the FCS. But even if he continues like not playing great, do you turn to the backup? Like, do you kind of have to? Like, the fact that Clemson has the schedule they do, and you got you and I both feel they have a chance of losing again, it is concerning. Like. All you really have to do against them is cover well downfield, and you're fine because their offensive line plays play terrible. And D- DJ holds on to the ball for way too long. And if Dabo's going to refuse to run the run the ball like that, then like they're going to be one dimensional and they're going to play close games against teams they shouldn't. Their backup quarterback is redshirt sophomore Tayson. I'm going to botch the last name. Uh, Fomacon. He's a redshirt sophomore from uh, Bridgeport, Connecticut. No one's really ever seen him, but. We're basically saying the same thing about DJ a year ago. But like, do you, ha- you like you have to try, yeah, right? Like I, I was, at some point. Look, this is an adjustment that I was gonna have to make if DJ's not the guy. Uh, what else? Anything else on this game we should hit on? Yeah, just like one thing I'm noticed by before we talk at, about Clemson's playoff hopes. Actually, yeah, just what, one, yeah. Go ahead. One thing I'm noticing real quick, looking at the stats. We, we both just ripped on DJ for the last five five minutes about how poorly we played. Dabo ran the ball with his running backs nine times. DJ attempted 37 passes and was sacked seven times. He, he ran the ball seven, was sacked seven times, threw 37 passes. When your quarterback's playing as poorly as he is, and as good as the Georgia defensive line was playing, I'll give them credit, why are you only trying to run the ball nine times with, with your running backs? Like Because they're afraid of the Georgia defensive line? But, like, get creative then. Run outside the tackles. Go, go misdirection, RP, RPO, zone reads. Like it they, just felt. It felt like Dabo was just like so in his own head last night. And they don't have a new offensive coordinator. It's still the no, same it's Tony Elliott and Brent, Brent Venables has the defense. They've been there for years, and they're probably the best cord, coordinator duo in the country, probably. Because Alabama has guys go, you go in, you're in, and you're out. Yeah. So, like the fact that they've been able to keep Elliott and Venables. For as long as they have, like, well, they lost. Shows Scott, why they lost their Adam Scott to, I think that's his name, to uh, South Florida a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. But it'll be it'll be interesting to see how the offense bounces back. Clemson's schedule the rest of the way is the 70, uh, 70th ranked game, strength of schedule in all of college football. The toughest game left on their schedule is Boston College. They get them at home for some reason, despite playing them at home last year. That's just the confusion of ACC schedule. Mm-hmm. They play Florida State. They play Pittsburgh. They play Syracuse. They play NC State. And here's the here's After the thing. After that, it's no one. Here's the thing, real quick. Their schedule was ranked seventieth prior to the season starting. Their best game's out of the way. That that was by far their best game all year. So their schedule the rest of the year is probably worse now than than seventieth. It's the, probably the worst schedule in like all of Power Five football. I can't imagine whose would be worse. They're they, not going to play a single. Boston College will be ranked at some point. They avoid Miami. They avoid UNC. Who avoid both, Virgi- both lost this they weekend. They avoid Virginia Tech. The, who both lost this weekend, by the way. Um, of the four teams next to them in the ACC, Miami, UNC, Virginia Tech, Boston College, they play one of those four. Yep. And they get them at home. NC State's okay, but like. They're not a threat. No. They like, could win seven, eight games. Yeah. Their ceiling is eight games. And that's because they play in the ACC. Like if Spot they on. If, if they play in the SEC, they're not making a bowl game. Yeah, probably. They get there with Vanderbilt. <laughs> well, that's a different story. Oh my god! But yeah, no, I think like you, you've been saying this for the past week. Clemson should be treated like a Group of Five team the rest of the season. Yes, because 
that's the conference they play in. The American, I think, is a more difficult conference. I like, think UCF, UCF will be the second or no. Sorry, maybe the third best team in the ACC. I'm going to even include the Pac-12 in this, and I'll include Cincinnati for the sake of their their schedule. Every single one of the teams in the Power Five, outside of the ACC, and including Cincinnati, every single one-loss champ should get in over them. Yeah. Every single one-loss. Well, Cincinnati's going to be a favorite in, in Bloomington in two weeks. Yeah, they are. Especially because of how Indiana played yesterday. Well, they're, they're fraudulent. And, but. like, we haven't seen Notre Dame yet, but, like, Notre Dame is light years better than everyone else Clemson plays. I, I feel we'll talk about Cincinnati for a little bit later, but I I feel like Cincinnati has the leg up on Clemson, even if they have one loss, just because they're gonna have wins against UCF and then either Cincinnati will have let's say Cincinnati goes eleven and one. I don't know who they're gonna lose to. Mm-hmm. They will have two better wins than Clemson the entire season. Yeah, they will by default because UCF of UCF. Let's Indiana. say they split Indiana and Notre Dame. I don't know which they're gonna win. UCF and either one of those wins would be two better wins than Clemson will have all season long. And I'd argue that... And with a better strength of schedule. And I'd argue that Memphis and SMU are probably pretty close to a bunch of... to most of those ACC teams. I'd rather play NC, I'd rather play NC State than SMU. I think SMU is a well-coached team. Mm-hmm. They are, yeah. They brought in Sonny Dykes from, from Cal and their offense has just exploded since then. That's Memphis the is point, always competitive all It's just like... What are we missing? Like this team shouldn't make the playoffs. No, and this, I didn't pick them to make the playoff before the season. I tweeted they, they had to win this game. I tweeted after the game. I was like, Clemson, enjoy your 70th ranked strength of schedule. Seeing the 2023 college football playoff because they play. You think their schedule is easy this year? Wait till you see their non-conference schedule next year because they don't. There's no Georgia on their schedule. I'll, I'll have to go pull it up in a second, but it's it'll be. Clemson's it's this is not a Clemson. This is more of a thing on the ACC. Yeah, it's just like they don't have an opportunity to make the playoff anymore. Like we we kind of said last week that Georgia could afford to lose this game because they could still go and win the SEC and all is well. But like even Georgia now can lose twice and they still be ahead of Clemson because they have the head to head win. It's just Clemson should have no avenue to the playoff just because of how bad the ACC is, how bad their schedule is. They avoid the three best teams in the Coastal, two of which lost this weekend. So, just like, yeah. what are we missing here? Like, I, I, I'm going to have this team ranked, like, eighth to start, start next week, I, and that they, might be generous. When we do our playoff predicts, I guess, in a few minutes, they're not going to be in my in the hunt because they just aren't one of the seven best teams in the country. Clem, before we go into that, I just want to touch on Clemson's non-conference schedule next year. We're already jumping a year ahead. Uh, they're non-conference. They play Louisiana Tech, Furman, South Carolina, and they go to Notre Dame again. So it's, it's fine. Like Notre Dame's a losable game with the quarterback play yeah. they have now. They go, they go to Boston College. Like, next year they play Miami. I know we're not very high on Notre Dame, but if Clemson went to Notre Dame, Notre Dame next weekend, like that's a, that's a competitive game, just because of Clemson's horrible quarterback play. Yeah. Uh, let's let's talk about some other games. We just spent. 22 minutes straight just talking about Clemson, Georgia, as expected. I mean, that's fine. It's the ga- it was the game of the, the year. Game of the season. Uh, Wisco, Penn State. We were. I was wrong about this. You were right. I thought Wisconsin would come home. I thought their defense would play well. The defense did play well. But four times, Wisconsin had the ball inside the 15-yard line and didn't score points. Yeah, I, I, I'm really high on Penn State. I actually ranked them, I want to say, 11 or 12 to start the season. Um, I know preseason polls probably shouldn't mean as much as they do just because – the games on the field have to matter. We we can't just rank teams to rank teams. But this this Penn State team I felt like was 
due for a bounce back year, and that was in large part to just last year kind of spiraled for them. They they lost the game the last year to start the season in Bloomington to Indiana, a, a game that I really don't think they lost. I, I think Michael Penn was very clearly short, and I think if that game is in Happy Valley, the, that call goes a different season. way. I think it's a different season for Penn State also. And so it kind of that call kind of spiraled. They lost their next four after that, and then they won their final four to start the season. Like this defense is really good, very and good. I, that's what but number one on, on Penn State. Yeah, that guy is an animal. Um, Jaquan Brisker yes. is the is the name you're gonna have to watch, and they ju- they just have a bunch of huge guys on, on their def- defensive line that were getting pressure yesterday. Yeah, and Tariq Castro Fields being back in their secondary is huge for them. He's gonna be huge for them when they have to play Ohio State and cover Olave and Wilson. But no, this this team going week one. A year after a disastrous year for them, and winning in Madison's huge for them. And like I'm looking at it, like Sean Clifford did what he needed to do. So this team, I think, should be ranked in the top, in the top ten in this upcoming week. I don't think they will be because of where they ranked in the preseason poll, yeah. which is kind of why I hate. Preseason I think they'll jump up a little. I think they'll go to like twelve. Yeah, they should. Like seven spots seems about fair. They, they especially for a big win. On they the won a game on the road against the top fifteen team that can't go unnoticed, and like. This team, like, they're, they're going to have to go to Iowa. I know they have to go to Ohio State. Their schedule doesn't favor them, which they're not. This team's not going to make the playoff. But yeah, in two weeks, they get Auburn at home. Wait until Bo, Bo Nix sees the whiteout. <laughs> That'll be. Hell's Graham Mertz to a QPR of 18.5. God knows what Bo Nix is going to do against that defense. I mean, Graham Mertz at home, too. It's just, like, that, that could be just a mess. But, like, this team's schedule, I think, is too tough for them to make the playoff. But. Like, is it a stretch by saying this team this team is going to win ten games now? They there's, that was unbelievable. That, I, can't, I can't wait for them to go to Iowa. I think that's going to be oh, that's going to be such a like fun a 730 game. Seven thirty ABC game. Going to be such a fun game. I don't know if we're going to have a Jawan Johnson walk off touchdown at the end, but uh, that's just, every, just every time someone goes to Iowa at night, it's fun. Yeah, let's what else? let's do Iowa Indiana real fast. Iowa's good. They yeah. dominated them. Listen, I picked them to win the Big Ten West for a reason, and. Like, was Indiana kind of fraudulent last year? Yeah. Like, they took they took advantage of Michigan being really down and Penn State really being down. I have Indiana winning eight games this year, which isn't bad, but it's not top 15 like people thought they were going to be. I, Iowa, though, is really good. I, I'm a huge fan of Tyler Goodson, their running back. Um, He's probably a top two, three running back in the conference, top maybe 10 in the country. Um, the the back matchup between him and Brees Hall next week is just going to be absolutely fantastic. Um, not a big fan of Spencer Petras at all, no. but he didn't have to be. He doesn't have to be that good for them to win games. There's, I feel like there's so many teams in the Big Ten that I feel that same exact way. Mm-hmm. Just defensive oriented, and if I, if I'm being particularly honest, like that's what you have to be to beat Ohio State this year because they're going to Ohio State strength is they're going to be able to get open against anybody. And I think the thing with Indiana, if I think it shows that last season may have been a fluke, may have been fairly Mickey Mouse, as <laughs> we like to say, it wasn't. It wasn't ideal the, the start of the season last year. We talked. We went through the schedule. They they beat nobody. They no, beat, like Michigan and, and they beat Penn, and they beat Penn State in a game they really shouldn't have won. And then, then they lost the bowl game to. They had held the thirteen points by the Ole Miss, Ole Miss defense, <laughs> who gave up like sixty points like multiple times last season. Like 
did we we gave them too much credit for beating Wisconsin, who wasn't very good last year either. Like the Big Ten was just horribly down as a conference last year, and we just, and just nobody realized that. Michigan was down, Penn State was down, Wisconsin was down. Iowa lost their first two games of the season last year. For God's sake, Northwestern won five games in the Big Ten last year. <laughs> and they had Ohio State on the ropes in the Big Ten championship. <laughs> it's just like, why didn't anyone see this coming with Indiana? I, I don't get it. Yeah, we kind of missed that one. Uh, one question before we go to the break. Is Texas back? I feel like we they asked dominated. They okay. dominated yesterday. So here's the thing. We, right, yeah, you asked me what team I feel best about. We'll talk about the other Big 12 teams after the break. We, like, we I feel lo- great about Texas after one game. We loved Louisiana against the spread um, this week. Against Texas, they were eight-point dogs, and they had beaten Iowa State to open the season last year. So, we we felt like that was a good thing to take note of. But what I was honestly most impressed with yesterday was Texas' defense because they bring in an offensive-minded co- coach and then hold Louisiana. Who's the defensive coordinator? I don't know. That's that's a good question. I'll bet you it's a big name though. So Harrison Harrison's gonna look that up real quick. But is Texas back? No, like. Texas being back is like considering like them a top ten team year in and year out, being a favorite in the Big Twelve, being a national contender, and they're not that. But like this team could win nine, ten games, and they looked really good against Louisiana yesterday. Harry, you have anything? I, I thought Louisiana was a good team. I, I thought they were they, they are a good team. They returned like nineteen starters from a team that was really good last year and beat Iowa State. Levi Lewis played horrible and. The, their defensive coordinator, it's they have two events, Pete Kwiatkowski and Jeff Schott. Never heard of either. Yeah. But, Kwi- I mean, cr- credit to... was the defensive coordinator of Washington for seven years under Chris Peterson. He was on that, that team when they went to the playoff. Okay. Uh, Which had a really good defense, Coach by Kevin the way. Coach King, Buda, Buda Baker, Sidney Jones, Vita Vea. Uh, yeah, I mean, that team was Ryan really Murphy, good defensively. Taylor, Rao. Yeah. That's I, I had no and like credit to credit to him for putting together that game plan yesterday. Levi Lewis could not do anything. Yeah, they kept they were, I think Louisiana punted like five straight drives at some point. Mm-hmm. It was it was kind of crazy. Yeah, but uh, let's let's go to the break. After the break, we'll talk about some of the teams that disappointed yesterday in college football. This is start your Sunday on KCAU 88.1 FM. A ranger station. I'd like to report a bear hug. Okay. I put out my campfire and Smokey Bear hugged me. So you drowned the fire, you stirred it, drowned it again, and felt that it was cold? Uh-huh. Yeah, but he's just letting you know you did good. Bear hug from Smokey Bear. Status update. I'm going to let you go now. There are many ways to start a fire, but one sure way to put it out. Learn how you can do your part at SmokeyBear.com. Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service Ad Council and your state forester. Now that I've gotten on the internet, I'd rather be on my computer than doing just about anything. It's really cool. The internet gave us a whole world of exciting new possibilities. So I guess this is a story of how it changed our lives. lives. Change your life. Change the way you do the internet. Go like KCOU on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at KCOU and on Instagram at KCOU881. Stay up to date on the latest online content, events, giveaways, and more. Maybe right. I think they're being followed now. Don't look. Just play cool. So what are you waiting for, young keyboard warrior? The wonderful world of KCOU is just one click away. Uh, 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 uh,
Saturday in Columbia is KCOU Sports Saturday. Tune in right here on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia for all-day sports talk starting at 9 a.m. Cap off your sports Saturday with coverage of Mizzou football from the student voice of the Missouri Tigers. Don't just Saturday, KCOU Sports Saturday. Hey, Mizzou fans, did you know that research at the Wellness Resource Center indicates that two out of three MU students reported consuming zero to four alcoholic drinks during tailgating? This is why Mizzou has the best fans in America. This public service announcement has been brought to you by the Wellness Resource Center, Craft Beer Cellar, and KCOU 88.1 FM. Welcome back to KCOU 88.1. This is Start Your Sunday. Today is Sunday, September 5th, 2021. Harrison Vapnik alongside Jonathan Litskin. Second episode of the 2021 season. What a, what a, what a show this has been thus far. We yeah. spent 22 minutes talking about Dabo Sweeney. And then that, whatever that Georgia Clemson game was yesterday, the thriller. But there were a lot of good other good games this weekend. And a lot of suspect performances. Let's let's start with Thursday. I almost went to Friday. I forgot that we had a big game on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Ohio State, Minnesota. CJ Stroud, poor first half. Some bad throws. Then I think he realized in the second half that he has the two best receivers in the country, Chris mm-hmm. Olave and Garrett Wilson. I think he completed six passes in the second half of that game, maybe five. And like four of them were touchdowns. Mm-hmm. I... I'm more high on Ohio State than you are. Explain why you're not sold on the Buckeyes just yet. So, first of all, I mean, Mo Ibrahim pretty much did whatever he wanted against that defense on Thursday. almost said yesterday. But I think they could have more trouble with Oregon than people realize. Um, I'm saying that as if Kayvon Thibodeau is playing. But C.J. Verdell is a good runner, and... I think teams that can run the football against them are going to give them trouble. Just be able to slow the game down. Like, for example, I think Georgia would have their way with Ohio State if they played next week. Um, And Ohio State has a lot of room to grow, but C.J. Stroud made more bad throws than he did good throws on Thursday. I wasn't a particular fan of him coming out of high school, and I actually think Ohio State— You didn't think they should start him? No, I think Ohio State— I understand not starting Quinn Ewers because he's 17 years yeah. old, but he's, like, th- he's still actually a kid. I think Kyle McCord, the what will probably be redshirt freshman, um, is be- is better than him. I, he's a year younger, so I understand not starting him. But I, I like I liked McCord better coming out of high school. Who know Who knows? I'm not at Ohio State practices. I don't know what Ryan Day's thinking. We should be. But like, I was not impressed with C.J. Stroud on Thursday, and even though he threw for four touchdowns and. I wasn't particularly surprised either. And, like, but let's take this with for what it was. Minnesota's probably, what, the eighth-best team in the conference? Seventh, eighth-best? Like, they're going to play. Dean Campbell will have them, like, three. But, you know. They're going to play, like, <laughs> they're going to play, like, four better teams than Minnesota and yeah. four better defenses than Minnesota. So, 
Oregon's one of them. CJ Stroud's going to need to be better next week, and he's going to need to be better moving forward. And those receivers are going to bail him out at times, but there are going to be games later in the season when they won't be able to do that. We need Kayvon Thibodeau to play that game next week. He was in a walking boot after Mm -hmm. their big win against Fresno State where they won by a whole touchdown. He needs to play in that game. Like I'm, I'm telling you, I Penn St- even though the Penn State game's in Columbus, after watching le- this it's weekend, that doesn't, that doesn't scare me much. Like, I don't just like expect Ohio State to walk into, 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 into that stadium and just blow them out. Yeah, like, I agree. Penn State's going to be able to get stops against them. Let's talk about two upsets this week. That Our segment, Upset Special of the Week, where both of us will pick an unranked team to beat a ranked team. We're both 1-0. This is a golden week. This was... I, I don't know how many times this year we're both going to go and hit ours, but we did it in week one, which is a big surprise. I had Virginia Tech beating North Carolina on Friday night. I felt confident about it. I didn't think North Carolina was a very good team. And they're not. And I may have been wrong. They may be an awful team. <laughs> and I'll, I'll say this again. I said this on uh, TWSN tailgate uh, yesterday. Maybe Sam Howell was carried by some of his receivers and running backs <laughs> the last couple of years. Maybe that they kind of set up the offense for him. Josh Downs, or not, he's the receiver now, but Newsome and Denami Brown and two of the best running backs in college football, Javante Williams and Michael Carter. Maybe they opened up the offense for Howell and mm-hmm. not the other way around. Maybe Sam Howell's not really the guy we think he is. Yeah, so- we know he has arm talent, but... <laughs> He was doing this with some great NFL receivers and running backs. Yeah, I think now that- we're now we're giving him an average crew, and he looked terrible. Like one of the worst performances this weekend by any quarterback. He's up there with like Nikosi Perry against Justin and- Fuente of all of all people. And like, yeah. I feel like this offense last year was designed more to get their skill players the ball in space and let them make plays, and that's including the running backs. And I feel like. If you try to do the same thing this year, it's not going to work. And that's kind of what they were doing. Like, Granted, UNC's receivers and tight ends dropped like four passes, but Josh Downs, I thought, was had a very good game One for them. One of my breakout players. He had a very good game. But Sam was just awful like, on, on Friday. It was just – he did not look like a quarterback that should be taken in the top five or even no. as one of the first two quarterbacks off the, off the board. Like, I was more impressed with – Plenty of other NFL prospects this, th- this weekend. I think he's a glorified Baker Mayfield. He could be. Like, is he is he even Baker? Like, I know Baker was in a system that just there's no way you could play bad. But like, scoring ten points against Virginia Tech, not not a good look. Yeah. The other half are upset special. The one that Jonathan Litskin pointed out to me last week is that keep your eye out on this. We talked about it. The spread went down. We both bet on it. We both won money off of it. UCLA. UCLA as a, I think the spread ended at two and a half when it was at like four and a half at one point. LSU had to go play two away games in one week. They had to go from Louisiana, Texas as a result of Hurricane Ida. Hope everyone in Louisiana is doing okay after the aftermath of that, of course. And then they had to go from Texas to California to play a hot UCLA team. And we, we nailed this. We nailed this, Liddy. I, I'm I'm so happy we nailed this. Mm-hmm. It, it, it the writing was on the wall. We saw it coming, and UCLA is a good football team. Are they not? It looked early like LSU was kind of in control. Like it kind of looked like this team has athletes. This team's bigger. They're stronger, and they were going to take control of this game. But it just never happened. Like Dorian Thompson Robinson only had to he attempted 16 passes, and UCLA won by double digits. 
the, this UCLA team, they're not built like a Pac-12 team. They're, they run the football very well. They stop the run very well. They ran – UCLA had 223 yards on the ground yesterday. LSU had 49. How many yards does Charbonnet have? 117 on 11 carries. How many yards did he have against Hawaii? He had over 100 in that game as well. Yeah, and, and Britain sneaky, Bra- sneaky Heisman and Britain Brown had 96 yesterday, yesterday on 17. So Zach Charbonnet is my two-week Heisman candidate. Like This is an unbelievable football team. I think – DTR made the throws he needed to. He didn't look the best at times. He took some unnecessary sacks, made some unnecessary plays. The one pick was just disastrous. But this UCLA team is going to run the football. They own the line of scrimmage against teams. And, like, I see no reason this team isn't a top 15 team right now. Are they – you think they're the favorites in the Pac-12 South? Yeah. they could win the Pac-12 and maybe flirt with a playoff spot? I I predicted – I'm probably not flirt with the playoff spot because their schedule is too hard to win out. I say that's the Pac-12, but like they got to they play they play Oregon. I don't even count Washington because what happened to them yesterday. But they play Oregon probably twice if they win if they win the South. They play Utah at Utah. They play USC. They play Arizona State. It's it's a tough schedule. Like get, the LSU was probably their toughest game, and they got won won that one. But it's the Pac-12. They play at weird times. W- weird things happen in that conference. UCLA could win 10, 10 games. I said last week they could win now win nine. I feel now they could win win ten. This team still they're still flawed, even even though that yesterday was impressive. I agree. They have a bye week next week, then they play Fresno State at home. Who almost that's, a, sne- that's a sneaky one. They almost beat Oregon. They were up in the fourth quarter. Oregon came back and won. <laughs> Let's jump to upset specials of next week. So we're both 1-0. We're playing with some fire. Mm-hmm. You pick yours first. So the rankings aren't coming out till Tuesday, so this is kind of assuming that this team is going to be ranked. Give me your upset special. Yeah, next, next, week. next week. So is... the rules for the upset special is an unranked team versus a ranked team. Doesn't matter spread. Doesn't matter where the game is. You just need to pick the unranked team to be the ranked team. Next week's a really tough week. We don't have many good candidates Next, like te- next week's a tough one. So some some things you you want to look for when picking this teams on short weeks, teams coming off a team where their opponents coming off a bye, team playing a night game on the road, stuff stuff like that. I'm gonna go with BYU over Utah. That's a good that's a good uh, one. Um, Utah first of all owns that rivalry, the the holy war it's called. But BYU obviously without Zach Wilson, they get the game at home. Jaron Hall was pretty good yesterday against Arizona. They won. A game in Las Vegas, uh, 24-16. The score's a lot closer than the game was. Uh, BYU was up 21-3 to when I when I fell, fell asleep. But I think BYU kind of tries to control the line of scrimmage in this game. They run the football a lot. Jaron Hall can make the necessary throws. I, I'd, I'd watch out for that one. BYU over Utah at Lavelle Edwards Stadium in Provo. Uh, I don't know, man. I Mine is going to be... Washington losing to Michigan because I don't think Michigan will be ranked and Washington was in the top 25 and I assume they were going to roll over Montana until they decided to lose the game. <laughs> I can't believe Washington. I'm never going to get over Washington losing to Montana and ruining <laughs> what could have been a 2-0 upset because Michigan's going to be a favorite at home regardless. Harrison, did you know the Pac-12 North went 1-5 yesterday? Oregon was their only win. And they barely or, won. And, and Who Oregon, are these teams losing to? Oregon State lost, Oregon State Purdue. lost to Purdue. Uh, Washington lost to Montana. Washington State, Washington State was up 15 last night against Utah State in the second half and lost. The entire state of Washington um, is the biggest loser of 
College Football Week One. N- Nevada beat Cal, which oh, yeah. I wasn't particularly oh, surprised. Cal was up with, double digits in the first half, but I wasn't particularly surprised yeah, by that because Nevada's, Nevada's got, got an NFL team. quarterback. Yeah. So I wasn't particularly surprised by that one. But then, and like, not only that, their one win was Oregon, who was down to Fresno State in the fourth quarter. Like, if it wasn't for Oregon coming back and winning that game, the Pac-12 North wouldn't have won a game yesterday. And Is Michigan going to be ranked next week? I don't think so, just because of the pure, like, bottom teams on the rankings that yeah. won. If if Michigan were to be ranked, I would consider taking Washington over um, them, but like before, I can't, Washington can't be trusted. Re- real There's quick, a lot of... App State Miami is tricky. Re- real quick, before you go, go through your, up, your upside of the week... Yeah, go ahead. Looking at the bottom of the rankings, just going through 15 through 25, and only, only three of them lost yesterday, and one of them was to a ranked team. So, like, Washington's going to drop out. Louisiana's going to drop out. My guess is Indiana probably stays in around, like, 24 or 25. They should drop out, but they won't. Um, other than that, like, no one else is dropping out. LSU's going to stay in the rankings. So, at most, three teams... Move, in, move into the rankings next week, three new teams. It's not going to be a huge change. I think the biggest change you're going to see is like teams moving from around like 15 to 20 up to like near the top 10. This this is hard. Miami could lose to App State at home, but I I think they're going to win, not cover. I, I think they bounce back. Stanford-USC is another one, but I realize I don't trust Stanford's quarterback. Especially after yesterday. I think I'm going to Texas-Arkansas. Hmm. That... Texas feeling high on themselves. Now having to go on the road to an SEC opponent. Arkansas beat Rice, had a good second half. Mm-hmm. That could be it. Yeah. Or there's uh, between that one and this is this is a shot in the dark, but Texas A&M at Colorado. Texas A&M is number 16 in the country. Colorado's not going to be ranked. Brandon Lewis, Colorado's quarterback, wasn't bad on Friday. That's a uh, – what, what's Colorado's time zone? That's mountain. So it's, it's a 1.30 kickoff. Texas A&M having to go to the altitude – Colorado's not a bad team. And AM played really bad yesterday. Haynes King threw three picks. Now he's got to um, go on the, the road to a, a they, tough, they ran the that's ball a, well. That's a tough place to play, though. Yeah. I call, going to Colorado is not fun in any sport because you're going up into really high altitudes. Got, guys aren't used to playing there. It's like it, it's hard to play there. Like the, the altitude gets to you. So that, that could it's be I, it. I'll go, I'll go Colorado. I'll, I'll go Colorado over Texas A&M. That's my, that is a major upset. It's a shot in the that dark. That would be a top five upset. Because Texas A&M is going to be like number five next week. I yeah. Assume. I assume they're going to jump over Clemson, and the top five will be whatever in that order. Yeah, another sneaky one to watch out for, and I don't think this is going to happen. South Carolina State over Clemson? <laughs> if DJ plays like he did yesterday. Um, no, another sneaky one to watch out for, and I don't think this is going to happen, and I'm Gonna guess they're gonna be probably seventeen point favorites in this game, but Toledo is favored to I, win the mat. Win like the MAC. I'm not. Um, I have to see Notre, how Notre Dame plays tomorrow. If, if like that's the thing. If I had seen Notre Dame play already this week, I could maybe could have taken that one. But a team, Toledo's not a bad team, so. And that's a perfect transition. Notre Dame, Florida State. In the last seven days, Liddy and I have gone from Notre Dame blowout to Florida State's gonna win this game. Now we're turning back toward Notre Dame blowout. Where do, now that we can make an official prediction, very rarely on this show we're going to be able to predict the college football game. Just yeah. because we're doing the show Sunday mornings. Mm-hmm. Let's make our predictions. Are the Knowles going to pull off this upset? Um, I don't think so. I was kind of on the train with so you. Let, let's, like, go, let's go to the pros. Let's go to the, the, the pie chart. 
the reasons they wouldn't is because they're Florida State and they're a dreadful football program at the moment. And they have a dreadful team. They have a a talent outside of maybe the quarterback they have a team position. That's not very talented. The defense is the defense is all right. Yeah, it's okay. The offense is limited to say the least. Mackenzie Milton, I think, is a good quarterback. I haven't seen him play football in two years. Mm-hmm. He could be good. The coaches, Mark Norvell, I mean, like, they won a couple games last year, right? I don't know who they beat, but they have to be, like, somewhat competent. Mm-hmm. The other way, and then Notre Dame is obviously Notre Dame, a power team. They have a great running back, solid offensive line. The other way to look at it is Notre Dame has an inexperienced, like, not inexperienced, but this is Jack Cohn's first start. With the Irish, I don't think Jack Cohen's very good. I think it's a big drop off, as well with Clemson, from Ian Book to Cohen. I think it's significant. Mm-hmm. I don't think Notre Dame has many weapons. They lost their defensive coordinator. I think they could be a little shaky. I think it's going to be an emotional night in Tallahassee. That's that's another good fan base. It's a tough place to play, and it's the first uh, game they've had since the passing of Bobby Bowden. They're going to have a big pregame ceremony. Uh, I saw that they have this new like hype tunnel thing, which they're going to experiment tonight with some light show or something like that at Doe Campbell because it's their first night game in like three years, and I'm not joking about that because because every game they play is at noon Eastern because they're a bottom five team in the conference, and they can play those games on ESPNU. I think that they're just going to be some hype and upset in the air. We talk about the Texas-Notre Dame game, the Texas is back, folks, mm-hmm. game. That game was on a Sunday night. And against an unranked team when Notre Dame was a top 10 team. And the thing is, like... So that's that's the other way to look at it. The spread has gone down. It started at Notre Dame minus 7.5. No, it started at 9.5. Now it's down to 7. And, like, the thing is, like, Notre Dame tends to struggle in these types of games. These we- weird environment, weird day, weird time type of things. Like, it's not only just the Texas game. They were down in half to Louisville a couple years ago. So, this isn't unfamiliar territory for Notre Dame to come in and, sh- and struggle in this game. With that being said, I still think Norvell has work to do. Kyron Williams is really good. Notre Dame is going to run the football a ton, and they should run it well. Like you said, the drop-off from Ian Book to Jack Cohn is huge, but not big enough that I think Notre Dame is going to lose the game. I think Florida State is close for a while, similar to how Minnesota was with Ohio State. Yeah, But I think Notre Dame ends up winning the game probably by somewhere 7 to 10 points. Yeah, I, I'm taking Notre Dame 31-24. Uh... Are we ready to go to... Before we go into our... We'll close out with CFP rankings. We This is a comfortable NFL show. We've not mentioned the NFL yet. Uh, Buccaneers-Cowboys prediction on Thursday. Go. Um, Buccaneers close. I think this, the spread is really big for a week one game. It's seven points right now, which even though the Bucs won the Super Bowl last year, I, I, don't, I think that's too big. Like The, the Bucs were 11-5 and five in the regular season last year. They kept the same roster. I get that they won the Super Bowl, but... They're not this absurd 16-1 and one team that everyone thinks they are. And the Cowboys are going to score points. So I'll take bu- the Bucks. I'll go like 27-23. This Bucks team is very reminiscent in my mind of the 2017 Patriots, who are basically a team that brought most of their core players back and even added some. I, I, I think the Cowboys could pull off this upset. I yeah. think people are very high on the spread is 7.5, which is absurd. Cowboys plus 7.5 is, is a good bet. I... It depends how Prescott looks. Yeah. If Prescott looks like he did the beginning of last year, I think they could move the ball. Mm-hmm. And Tampa, Brady is usually a little shaky the beginning of the year. He rarely comes out and is throwing 
these five touchdown games. Yeah, I mean, they lost to Kansas City a couple that, year, years ago on Thursday night to start the season. That's the game I keep thinking about. And then another one. Because this Dallas team's kind of, that, that Kansas City offense was a firepower. Another one that comes to mind is they lost at home a couple years ago to Carolina. Uh, yeah, I know that, that was week those, to, those games were like three weeks apart. That, that was, was week one and week four of that season. So, I just, I don't think this is all, like, bucks all the way. Like, this should be easy for them. Like, that, the Cowboys are a good team. Yeah. So It depends on the defense plays. I, yeah. I'm excited to see Micah Parsons back on a football field. Mm-hmm. Let's close out CFP rankings. We're going to do this every week. When we Usually what we'll do is the first half hour, we'll recap college football, then we'll preview NFL. But since there's no NFL to preview, we spent the full hour talking about college football. So this would usually occur right before the first break. I will go first, rank my four playoff teams, a couple honorable mentions on the outside looking in. My number one team in the country is Alabama. We didn't even talk about them. They're good. Alabama is... The gap between Alabama and everyone else right now... I, could see, be that, see, that I disagree with. I don't think Georgia's too far off, but I think Alabama, because what they did is number one. Georgia, number two, not too far off. Best defense in the country, maybe. Number three, I'll have Ohio State. At number four, I'll put Oklahoma. Honorable mentions, in the hunt, I will go Cincinnati. I will go... I'm not putting Texas State in that group. I'm not putting Iowa State in that group because they did not look good yesterday whatsoever. I'll put Cincinnati up there. And... I'll go I'll go Penn State. Those are my three teams in the hunt right now. Penn State, Cincinnati, and Who's my third one? I I'm, I missed it, I'm going to be <laughs> honest. I Oh, uh, okay, top two. Iowa State? Uh no, did I only say two teams? It was Cincinnati and Penn State. I guess for my teams on the outside All right. looking in. What about you? And then Notre Dame as well, we, assuming how they look tonight. Okay, so I have three teams outside looking in that I want to touch on. Uh, but my rankings first, Alabama is very clearly the number one team in the country right now, and they deserve to be there. Number two, you can't take away from what Georgia did last night defensively. They leapfrogged Oklahoma for me. They're number two. Oklahoma, because of how they played against Tulane, had they almost lost every single reason to, to move back. They were up big and let Tulane back into the game. They kind of just took their foot off the gas, which they shouldn't do this early in the season or ever, really. But I still think they're a really good team. I picked them to win my national championship for a reason. Hopefully they, imp- they improve. They got Nebraska coming up. Um, number four, I thought about leap having a team leapfrog them, but because of how Ohio State ran the football, I think they earned the number four spot for me. Mayan Williams and Travion Henderson, I think we found out are both better than Master Teague, and those are the two they should rely on during the year. And they also won a tough road game on a Thursday night in the in the rain. So they played they played okay, but I think it's a good enough win that you have to have to give them credit. The three teams I have on the outside looking in: Cincinnati at five. I have Iowa at six and Penn State at seven. That's interesting. A like, lot. we we both think Iowa's going to go into Ames next week and win. So yeah, we we that's, both do. That's early early bet to get on. Get your bet in early in the week before the spread goes down. I think Iowa's going to be a four and a half point dog at Iowa State. Take the Hawkeyes. <laughs> Iowa State, like whether you want to admit it or not, Iowa State tends to struggle struggle early in the season. At least they have the past couple years. You remember. Last year, they lost to Louisiana yep. to open the year. And, and then they, did, they almost lost yesterday in Northern Iowa. They beat Oklahoma the following week, but Oklahoma was playing god-awful football, and, was, and they, and they, they lost barely won that State game. Before. Yeah, and so Iowa State almost lost, loses to Northern Iowa yesterday. Northern Iowa had the ball with two minutes to go, a chance to win the game. And they didn't get it. But it, it's Northern Iowa. So um, 
Iowa at six, and then Penn State at seven. So yeah. Cincinnati, I was really impressed with yesterday. Desmond Ritter threw four, four had four total touchdowns in the first half. Um, they they were up thirty five nothing. They take care of business against Miami, Ohio. They looked really good. Iowa, I ranked at number twelve to start the season, and I moved them. I they actually jumped Penn State for me because of how they looked yesterday. Two defensive touchdowns for the Hawkeyes. They win the game thirty four to six. They were up twenty eight to three at the half against Indi- Indiana. Just a really impressive all around performance. And like I said, Tyler Goodson's really good, and they're going to be able to run the football against Iowa State next week. And then Penn State. And then Penn State seven already touched on them. I think their defense is elite, and I think they're going to give Ohio State problems when they play in the big, big uh, for the Big Ten East this year. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Well, this is I guess we talked everything we need to talk about. This has been start your Sunday. Next week, we'll have more college football to recap and NFL Week 1 to preview. Thank you, for everybody, for tuning in and starting your Sunday with us on KCIU 88.1 FM. Have a great day. We'll see you next time.